What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Asian bitches done under the podcast about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diasporas in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show by Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you have enjoyed our episodes, please support us by giving us a five-star rating and get your friends on board to listen to us. Finally, we would love you to support this podcast by donating to our Buy Me Coffee program. Your wonderful support and donations will help us to continue creating the platform for diversity and inclusivity. Make sure you check out the episode show notes for any collaborations we're working with to promote. Thanks again, and we hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hi everyone, this is Helen, and you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. So this week is only me because Jessie is still recovering from her flu slash um, tonsillitis. Um, so she couldn't, she can't speak <laughs> up until today. So she's still recovering. Therefore, this is only this week is only me. Anyway, let's get into it. So here's my cultural consumption of the week. Um, I don't know if any of you watches um, online streamings from overseas. For example, there is Taiwan Plus and there's also NHK, which is a Japanese broadcasting network. They have an English platform at the moment, which means that you can watch a lot of programs either with Jap- uh, sorry, either with English subtitles or they have English um, narrators talking about uh, talking on the show. So that means it's really easy for um, you know if you don't speak Japanese or you don't speak Chinese that you can watch those shows and you can get so much out of it. It's quite interesting. Anyway, so this week um, I watched with my family the NHK uh, short documentaries. It's called Seventy Two Hours. Um, basically, it's an observation of a store. Um, it's very, very personal, I feel like. Um, it's also very intriguing, especially with the current digital world. Um, sometimes we feel disconnected with others um, that we're actually close to. But watching documentaries like this really evokes certain emotions. Um, for example, this week we watched uh, the episode about stationary store. Uh, you can see a lot of uh, the interviewers interview the customers in the store and ask them why they visit the store, what kind of things do they get in, ask about their background stories. So it's very personal. On this episode, we hear stories like the ladies uh, talking about what they were, uh, who they were sending letters to, and we also hear about a guy who would want to write a letter and make a proposal of marriage to his girlfriend. Um, there's also someone who wants to celebrate their anniversaries, thanking their partners. Is also uh, I think there was a woman who is trying to maintain the connection with a loved one through writing. Um, you get quite emotional sometimes uh, because you see that they're really expressing their emotions very viscerally through writing, which is quite interesting because nowadays, you know, everyone really don't write that much anymore. And seeing people doing that, it's kind of bring back a nostalgic 
kind of feeling that oh yeah you know it's writing it's a very basic human civilized behavior that we sort of forgotten about it because everything happens so quickly now that you can just send a text that you can send an email and you receive it immediately you don't have to wait for that letter to arrive you don't have that kind of anticipation i think uh, writing a letter kind of maintains a sort of very human and a very emotional way of communication Okay, so that's NHK 72 hours. Um I actually want to recommend a book. However, it is in Chinese. Um I'm looking for to see whether or not this book will be able to translate it to English. It's called 希望你也在这里. Um I wish you were here too by Liu Xinjie. It's a sort of like a destination novel where you I don't know if our listeners remember that before that just talked about watching movies that it feels like the destination movies that you travel to that destination uh for example Europe when we watch a rom-com that's set in Europe or if a movie that's set in US sometimes you feel like oh you're there you immerse into the culture there um so this novel is really um it's a very inter- it's got a very interesting plot you know it spans across kind of like three generations uh very complex mother and daughter relationships and also it travels around Taiwan, Kyoto, Japan and then Yunnan, Dali which is in China. Um it really makes you wonder where what does that place look like after all the written descriptions that you read from the author. So I look I don't know if anyone does that but um I will Google the places and try to look up those places and put myself into that kind of like the picture of the novel and trying to feel how the individual characters feel when they're in the story. Yeah. Okay, so those are the two cultural consumptions from me this week. Um we're going to take a quick break and when we come back there are two news articles or news topics that I want to talk about this week. Okay, so we're back. As we said this is going to be as I said that this is going to be a relatively short episode because we don't have Jess here today with me to uh have a conversation with me. Um usually we have a brilliant dynamics you know we have opinions um uh, bounce back and forth but today is just going to be me um so this week i want to talk about coercive control uh so this week that we've seen the news that uh a draft of the landmark bill has been released by the state attorney general mark speakman uh, ahead of its intro- introduction in the parliament so back in the 2020 21 uh the new south wales government committed to outlawing the historically overlooked form of intimate abuse known as coercive control as part of its response to a parliamentary inquiry coercive control involves the patterns of behaviors that deny victims autonomy and also independence 
This will include physical, sexual, psychological, and financial abuse. The perpetrators could face up to seven years in a jail under this proposed law. And also, on top of the introduction of this reform, there is a six-week consultation period.、Um, but somehow, you know,、um, I don't think it's enough.、Uh, even the CEO of Domestic Violence New South Wales, Alice Phillips, said that it is not simply not enough. Coercive control is very complex offence、uh, that had been historically and socially justified the patriarchal system. I mean, in the past, people don't really regard this kind of control as a crime because everyone justifies it by the sense of say, saying that oh yeah, it's just a normal thing that happens during relationship. When you commit to someone, you know, you you try to agree on what they say or you try to. Just let it go when you try not to upset your partner. So it's a, a it's almost like a it's a, a it's a behavior that was justified by patriarchal system. And I do think that it is very it's a, such an important step to take in order to improve the safety of women and children. However, I do also wonder the def- definition of coercive control will play out in how how the definition will play out in the final submission and. Of course, I'm curious about how the definition of co- coercive control subjects in other relationship. You know, for example,、uh, it kind of will be stretched out through per- parents, children's relationships too, and how would this impact on ha- family dynamics for those long believed that children should always listen to their parents. And I don't know if it's gonna be potentially be used as an emotional blackmailing. So, for our listeners, let us know what you think about the reform. If you have personal stories on coercive control, or what implications do you think will result from this reform? Okay, so our second news this week, I will probably have this discussion. With Jesse again, because I thought it was quite interesting.、Um, something that we never really thought about it until I read the news this week.、Uh, so it's about inequality in stem cell donation.、Um, there's basically a lack of donors in mixed race ethnicity people. The story is from Montreal, Canada, where a four-year-old girl Mignon has been diagnosed with a rare blood disease called bone marrow aplasia. Yep. So this disease will affect the bone marrow's ability gen- to generate white blood cells, which means that she loses the ability to protect her body against infection and invading organisms. But due to her race uh, mix, uh, this girl is white and Asian. Min have been having difficulties to find a stem cell donor for her life-saving treatment. The toddler's condition can be treated with stem cells from a, from a compatible donor, but because of the lack of diversity in the global donor registry, finding a match has been incredibly difficult. There is the international registry of 25 million people who have provided consent and genetic information in order to donate stem cells, which come from the bone marrow of a healthy adult. But about seventy percent of those on the registry are white, which means that putting donor recipients from the other ethnic backgrounds at a significant disadvantage. Yeah, see, we we have so much inequality in our world, and this is something that I've just 
notice that I just know this week there is not enough stem cell donors which would have a disadvantage for those with ethnic backgrounds that if they want the treatment for example for the four-year-old girl mean um, you know in the article it says it's one in a million for her to actually get find a donor um, I think after this news has came out it was shared across Facebook in a couple of the groups um, the mixed kids groups and also um, with the power of the media in Canada I believe uh, a lot of people with mixed heritage uh, sorry with mixed ethnicities and race they have registered themselves in hope to um, help this girl and I do hope that she can find a donor very soon that you know matches and is compatible to the stem cell that she required. Finally, the, uh, to conclude this episode, I can't go without mentioning the Taiwan Film Festival in Australia, um, which I'm working with Benson again this year. Um, so 2022 Taiwan Film Festival in Australia is returning to the big screen. So in the past two years, we had to transfer the festival on online streaming, like many other festivals have done, and now the festival is back in the cinemas. What's different compared to the previous years is that this year the festival will be holding screenings in multiple cities in Australia. This includes Brisbane, Canberra and Melbourne. Apart from the usual Sydney CBD screenings, there are some sessions that will be in Western Sydney Parramatta, which is, you know, rather accessible for, you know, other people who might be, who are living in west of Sydney that found it a little bit more difficult to come into city. And this year's program is jam-packed with action, drama, romance, comedy, and eccentric documentaries. Personally, for the cinematic experience, I recommend Goddamned Asura. Uh, It's a movie about intersections of different characters' lives through the portrayal of human loneliness and struggles in the modern Taiwanese society. The movie contains a great deal of social commentary, about social inequalities, um, there's negligence by the societies and many interesting subtleties surrounding the different ty- different type, types of human relationships. Another feature movie that I would recommend is called A Lake. Yes, it's literally A Lake, um, which stars two prominent Chinese actors, uh, Gui Lunmei and Yang Youning. They play a couple in the movie and depicts a dark humor of the struggles in their romantic relationship. So if you have seen the trailer of A Leg, you would think it is some sort of romantic comedy, but it's more of a satirical dark comedy with a dash of quirkiness. I feel like that everyone will interpret this movie differently because the plot made it really hard to discern at the very beginning. It's hard to fathom the directions of the plot with your usual perceptions about how a relationship you should be. You could say it's about blindness of love or you could say about it's about irrational stubbornness trying to retrieve a leg after amputation. There are a lot of aspects for discussion in this film. Apart from the romance, we also see the mismanagement of hospitals, which happens more than we know. 
the dark humor surrounding the other characters' reactions in the assistance of the woman's in search of the leg is quite funny as well. Um, so yeah, uh, Gui Lunmei and Yang Youning is basically what I love about this film. Mostly that they paired up so well to perform the love-hate relationship in this movie. Tell us what you think if you've seen the movie or if you, after you've seen this movie, um, it's quite interesting of people's choices and how far that they would get to. In making the decisions of what they want in their goal in their life, you know. And as for documentaries, Green Gel is obviously the one to watch at this festival. The Japan-based director Huang Ingyu took seven years to make this film, and he documented the story about an elderly Taiwanese grandmother who was living in the remote island near Okinawa post World War Two. Her journey as an adopted child into Chinese family living in the Japanese-occupied mining region, the documentary explores and her ambiguous identity and the struggles of living in the remote area that is that is disconnected from the outside world. Other documentaries, such as Among Us, which documents the lives of autistic children in Taiwan, and Deepest Uprising, a film about Asian female poets using their literature skills ex- to express、um, about the misogynistic experience they had in this modern society. These are all great films and not to be missed. So the Taiwan Film Festival is from the 28th of July, beginning in Sydney, and in Melbourne it will be on the weekend of 30th and 31st of July, in Brisbane the 6th and the 7th of August, and finally in Canberra the 13th of August. So I'll have the links in our show notes, and make sure that you check them out if you're in those cities and grab a ticket and watch something different. So that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple, and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like to support us, what we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under, head to Buy Me a Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from me this week, and hopefully Jessie will be feeling better next week and return to our. <laughs> Return to our show. Stay safe, everyone. We'll chat to you next time. Bye.